am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. As we hear the word, I thank you that signs and miracles and wonders are going to follow the word as we teach it today. Our lives will be the better. Our faith will be raised. And most of all, Father, we will draw closer to you. As I have decreased, I thank you for the anointing of God to teach your people your word. And we give the Holy Spirit free reign in this place to minister through me in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. We're currently in a series entitled Possessing the Promise. Say that with me. Say, Possessing the Promise. And so far, we've covered several principles that will position us to receive God's promises for our lives in 2011. And last week, while I was out of the country, I heard Pastor Che did an outstanding job. Amen. And he covered praying for the promise. And so today, I kind of want to conclude the series, and I want to conclude it with the subject of faith. For the promise. Faith for the promise. And I want you to find the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And then after you find Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to find Galatians chapter 3. That was Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 32. And then we're going to look in Galatians chapter 3. Verses 13. As believers... One of the connections that we have with God that the world does not have, and that is the ability to believe God with our faith. The Bible says that he's given unto all, talking about believers, the measure of faith. In other words, once we got born again, God put a deposit of faith in each one of us. And whether you know it or not, regardless of if you have a mustard seed amount, Or whether you have a mountain amount, it doesn't matter because Jesus declared if you just have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you are able to move a mountain. And so I want to point out this morning to you that when you are trying to uh, claim and walk in the promises of God for your life in 2011, you're going to have to start by using your faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Are you there? Say, I'm there. Here's the point I want you to write down. Here's the first point. All of God's promises, how many? All. All All of God's promises must be obtained by faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, I'm starting in verse 32, it says, And what should I say the more? For the time would fail me to talk about Gideon and talk about Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. Watch this now. All of these individuals, he says now in verse 3, who through faith 
They subdued what? Kingdoms. So they used their faith to subdue kingdoms. Watch what else they did. They used their faith to work righteousness. And then they also used their faith to read, to do what class? Attain promises. So in order for us to receive the promises of God, we must receive them by exercising our faith. I'm going to give you one more scripture. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Go to Galatians 3. All of the promises in God's word must be obtained by faith. In other words, God is not moved by how we feel. Listen, if God was moved by desperation, there would be no starving people in the world. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 13, I want to show you here, because I'm talking about the promises of God must be received by faith. We just saw that they obtained it by faith. I'm going to show you here that to even receive the Holy Spirit, it must be done by faith. In Galatians 3, 13, are you there? Say, I'm there. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Watch verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through who? Jesus Christ. Now watch this. That we might receive the what? The what? He said that we might receive the promise of the spirit. But how are we going to receive that? Through faith. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's by faith. Now write down Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. By grace are you saved through faith. So it took your faith to even get saved. So what what am I starting out this morning saying? I'm saying that whatever promise that's in your heart from the word of God or something that he's just put inside of you, you got to realize that your faith is what's going to attract that into your life. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, there are two ways that you can pursue the promises of God in your life. You can write this down, two ways. You can either pursue the promises of God by faith or you can pursue the promises of God by the flesh. Now, many of us, we're real, real clear on what it's like to obtain the promise by the flesh. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean by the flesh? The flesh is just basically God maybe has something for you, but you go your way in getting it. Here's a good example. Abraham, when he had Isaac and Ishmael, God made Abraham a promise. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And he says, and all those families that's born from your seed, they're going to be blessed because of you. So, That was a spiritual promise that God made Abraham. But Abraham and Sarah decided because it didn't look like they had the means to bring that promise to pass. Because they looked in the natural. They looked at their age. They looked at where they were in life. They looked at how much money they had saved. They looked at all of their credentials. They looked at the education they did or did not have. And they came to the conclusion that, guess what? I'm not qualified. So what they did... Because anytime you are pursuing the promises of God for your life and you see yourself as not qualified, then you kick into the flesh. So the flesh says, well, Sarah's too old. Why don't you just, you know, use her handmaiden? So he ended up sleeping with his, his wife's handmaiden, which I'm sure he enjoyed. 
Some of y'all will get that in a minute. I'm sure he wasn't resistant. I'm sure she came to him and said, Abraham, you know, you mind sleeping with Hagar? Well, now you have to understand now, Sarah was probably in her 80s. Hagar was probably in her 20s. He said, what'd you say? Run that by me again. Run that by me again. So guess what? They tried to fulfill the promises of God in the flesh. And when you birth something in the flesh, you have to sustain it in the flesh. See, this is how you can know if the promise or the blessing that you got was a blessing that you got or a blessing that God gave you. The scripture says the blessings of the Lord makes you rich and add no sorrow. So if there is sorrow after I get it, maybe it's because I got it and God didn't give it to me. Amen. So you can obtain it by faith or you can obtain it by the flesh. Now, there are several ways in which the promises of God can come in our lives. And I want you to write these ways down. First of all, because you may say, well, pastor, I don't know what the promises of God for my life are. Well, here's one way the promise can come to you. Number one, by being word fed. Everybody say word fed. Word fed. This is just where God will put a promise in your heart from reading or hearing his word. Amen. And, and, and this is the thing uh, that to me should be one of the primary ways in which believers should get the promises of God for their life. In other words, I remember when my wife and I, we came back from Jamaica and we moved back here to the States. And uh, remember now, I was in corporate America prior to going to Bible school and I wasn't sure what direction to go in after I graduated from Bible school. So I was praying and I was reading God's word and I ran across the story about where the prophet had told this woman, he says, you know what? She had ran out of resource and he says, go and I want you to take these pots and I want you to fill them up with oil. After she filled them up with oil, he said, she said, now what do I do? He says, now I want you to go and sell the oil, pay your debt and live off the rest. When I read that, the word sell jumped off the page on me. God wanted me to go into sales. Now, my degree is in sales and marketing anyway, or marketing and sales. And so that right there, I knew, okay, God wanted me to get in sales. And you know what? I got into sales so easy. And when I got into sales, I made more money in sales than I did in my previous years of being in marketing. Amen. So everybody say word fed. So you can get the promise through word fed or you can get the the promise through being spirit led. Write that down. Spirit led. Now, what is that? That's when the Holy Spirit will deposit a desire or a promise in your heart. In other words, you're not going to read in the Bible, thou shalt go and buy a Honda Accord. You're not going to find that. If you find it, you have the wrong version. There are certain promises in the Bible that are not spelled out. And so some of those promises, you have to be spirit-led. Say spirit-led. Just like me. When the, when the Lord wanted me to go to Bible school, that was a spirit-led decision. We had went on a missions trip as a church. And I, I, not this church, the church I was a part of years ago. And when we went on the missions trip, it was me being involved in the things of God. That the promise of God and direction of God got deposited into my life. 
So here we are. We're on this campus at this school doing missions work. And the Holy Spirit just speaks deep down inside and says, I want you to go to school here. Now, let me show you why that was odd. Number one, the school was Christ for the Nations in Jamaica. Their headquarters is here in Dallas. So I'm from Dallas. Why would I go and apply for a school outside of the country then I, when I can just come here? That's number one. Number two, what was odd about it is that I would have been, me and this other guy, would have been the first two Americans that they even allowed to come to the school. But because I was being spirit-led, not only did they admit me, but guess what? That's where I found my wife. So even though now a promise that God had made me about getting married, I did not know that that promise would get fulfilled by being spirit-led by going to the school. So you got word-fed. What was number two? Spirit-led. Here's number three. Prophetically said. Prophetically said. You say, Pastor, what is that? This is when a promise for your life is proclaimed or confirmed through a proven prophetic voice. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say it again because there are so many prophetically spooky people out there. You know, I'm amazed at people who get tripped out and get all ruffled when somebody, you know, on a stage calls their name out. And they be like, oh, my God. Oh, they call my name. Don't you know your name? I mean, it doesn't mean the person is a prophet just because they can call your name out. Everybody say prophetically said. This is when a promise for your life is proclaimed or confirmed through a proven prophetic voice. See, most prophetic voices should confirm what God wants to do in your life. Now, sometimes it may not be a confirmation. It may be information to you because we got prophesied years ago. This was in 1990-something, maybe early 2000s, that uh, this, this prophet told me he saw my face on a billboard. Now, at the time, I was selling cars. I just knew that he was talking about I was going to own my own dealership. (laughs) Evan Connor, go and see him for your Chevrolet. I just knew that I was going to own a dealership. And and that's how I took it. The Bible says we know in part and we prophesy in part. So I didn't see the big picture. So you know what I did with that prophecy? I just put it on the shelf because you don't live prophecy. You fulfill prophecy. I know a couple, somebody prophesied to them that they should move to another state and, and, and uh, they didn't get no wisdom. They didn't come and talk to the pastor. They just took that person's word for it, got out there and had to live in their car. How many know that ain't God right there? So prophetically said through a pro- pro- prophetic confirmed voice. Here's the last one. Desire fed. So we have number one. What's what class? Word fed. What was number two? Spirit led. What was number three? Prophetically said. What's number four? Desire fed. Now what is this? This is when I can desire something and that desire is based upon a generic promise from the word. In other words, when you read the Bible, write down Mark eleven twenty four. He says, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. That's a blanket promise that anybody can take. However, the, the, the conditions of a promise like that has some things connected to it. And, and, and here are two of the things. Number one, 
It's timing, say timing. See, you can be praying and say, okay, he said whatever things I desire when I pray. I, I'm, I'm praying for a husband that I want to get married right now in 2011. Okay, that may be wonderful, but is the timing of that promise that you are desiring connected with God's timing? See, God already knows you haven't got over the last man that was in your life. And if you haven't gotten over the last person in your last relationship, you're going to treat the one in, this, in your current one just like you did in the last one. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what have you done for me lately? So you have to have the timing of God down. Now, go to Habakkuk chapter 2. I know that's a, a book you're going to have to blow some dust off of. Just get your little, you know, or go to the index, go to your index and just find it. Habakkuk is on page 1018 if you have a Bible like mine. Habakkuk, because I'm going to show you here that all of God's promises have timelines and God has given promises that always have seasons attached. In other words, I'm saying when you desire a promise from God, God's promises have timelines. Say timelines. They have timelines connected to them as well as seasons. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, it says, And the Lord answered and said unto me, Write the vision and make it plain, that he may run and read it. Verse 3, for the vision or the promise that's in your heart. He says, it is for a what class? It's for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak. It will not lie, though it tarry. He says, wait for it because it will surely come to pass. In other words, some promises have a timeline attached to it, and it is not God's fault if we miss the timing. Now, I'm going to give you some some indications of how you know you have missed God's timing because I've seen people go out there and say, listen, God told me uh, that I was going to be this. Yeah, but the question is, when did he tell you you were going to be it? Ecclesiastes 3, 1, write that down. It says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. In other words, God's promises have times and seasons attached to it. Go to Galatians 4 real quick. Galatians 4. I'm going to give you a tangible example in my personal life of this thing right here. Because I think this is the biggest promise killer in people's lives. When they don't have a time frame or they don't understand God's timing. He may have told them something, but they don't know the timing. So they just jump out there and start doing it. It's just like me. When I went to Bible school, what year was that? 1994 is when God spoke to me to be a pastor. I didn't start pastoring till 2005. Years had gone by because there were some things that God wanted to do in my life to develop me. He wanted me to gain some experience. It's just like David. David was anointed the king, but he had to go back out and keep those sheep until the time was coming. Are you in Galatians 4? Look in verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman. In other words, the Bible said at the right time, when the fullness of time came, God sent 
Jesus. In other words, there's timing connected to all the promises of God. And even Jesus had to learn that. You know, the scripture says Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. He learned. Everybody say learn. Okay, now, I can prove this to you. How many believe that Jesus was born to die for the world? Let me see your hand. Absolutely. That was his purpose. That was God's promise for mankind. I need to redeem you from sin. But guess what? The timing was an issue. Jesus thought he was ready at 12. I mean, let me show you how, you know, this is, there's a difference between immaturity and sin. Okay? Sin means you knew better and you did it. Just like you knew better than to cuss that person out yesterday. You knew better, but you did it anyway. That's sin. Immaturity is when you don't know and you don't have the mental capacity at that point and at that age to discern between what was, what was appropriate and not. And Jesus, at 12 years old, thought it was okay to just leave his family and stay in the temple while they went on their way. I mean, they were gone two days and Jesus sitting up there at church. It wasn't his timing to die on the cross. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you read the story, the Bible says after that, he was subject to his parents. In other words, there are some things that only time can do in your life. And most believers miss the timing of God. Jesus started his ministry at 30 years old. Well, well, well he knew he was a son of God, I'm sure, early. Well, why wait till 30? But there are just some promises you got to wait on. The, the Bible says his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways and his thoughts higher than ours. So when you're talking about you're going to pursue, well, God told me I was going to start a business. Yeah, that's fine. But when are you supposed to start it? And do you have the wisdom to start it? Amen. So you got everybody say timing. And timing is knowing when to do something. But then here's another element that most believers miss. And that's patience. Now, the scripture says it was through faith and patience that they inherited the promise. Everybody say through faith and patience is when they inherited the promise. In other words, some promises are not going to come unless you exercise some faith and some patience. And patience is a cuss word for most Christians. Did you know that? I mean, it is a four-letter word. What? Yes. And see, patience, write this down, is just waiting for the vision. That's all it is. It's waiting for the right time to start the vision. And most people don't have it. And then the third thing that most believers don't have when it comes to the promise, and you can't walk by faith without these, is wisdom. Now, wisdom is knowing how God wants to bring to pass the promise. And sometimes we don't have the wisdom. We know what God wants us to do. We may even know the timing of when he wants us to do it, but we have no clue the strategy or the direction he has for us. And you know what? It's just like a preacher saying, you know what? I'm going to get up on Sunday morning and whatever the Lord wants me to preach, I'm just going to open up the book and I'm going to point my finger and I'm going to preach on that. Well, what if it says thou shalt sacrifice a goat? What you going to do? You can't live no 
Bible-pointing-fingered life. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word. Not pointing finger word, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So get, let me give you some signals real quick. Let me give you some signals. These are signals to know whether or not you are pursuing the promise in the flesh or the spirit. Because, see, we're talking about pursuing the promises of God for our life. You remember that. you got to do it by faith. But while you're doing it by faith, you got to exercise some patience. you got to have some timing. And you got to get some wisdom. So here's the first one. You can't wait. It's now or never. I am 45 years old. If I don't get married this year, it ain't happening. Well, wait a minute. Why are you so in a rush? See, when you're in the flesh, it can't wait. It's like right now. Right now. Here's another indication. When what I'm desiring to do only makes sense to me. I'm just talking about the promises. You, you got a promise in your heart. And I mean, it's big. It's bubbling over. God wants me to do this. But it only makes sense to you. Have you ever met people like that? I mean, and you, you're looking at them like, man, you need to go on, on my... Remember my favorite Martian? Oh, I'm, getting, I'm showing my age now, so I won't say that. My favorite Martian. Okay, listen. Listen to me. Listen. If it only makes sense to you, the probability of it being God is really low. Okay, let me show. see. God has a process in how he does stuff. God will always confirm what he wants to do. The scripture even says he's going to show it to his apostles and his prophets. But let me show you this. In the life of Jesus, Jesus was the son of God. Do you agree? Okay, watch this now. When Jesus got ready to be baptized, God had already spoken to John the Baptist. And this is what he told John. He says, John, there's one among you who you, you, you don't even, you're not even worthy to untie their shoes. And he says, when you see the Holy Spirit, the dove, come on them and stay on them, that's the person who's the Son of God. And that's the person who's going to take away the sins of the world. In other words, God confirmed through another man what the purpose of Jesus Christ was. Well, if God confirmed what Jesus was supposed to do through a man, why can't he confirm what you're supposed to be doing through a man? Oh, okay, okay. Y'all missed it on that one. Okay. Now, this, this, this is for those people who uh, feel, well, I'm called to preach. God called me to preach. Well, who else know you called? I ain't got no more time, so I ain't going to keep meddling. My wife says she got my back. She got my back. Okay. Here's another indication if you're doing it in the flesh. When your needs are not being met. In other words, it is a constant struggle to make things happen. When you're, watch this now. This is when you're robbing Peter to pay the loan, to to, to pay the payday loan people back. Robbing Peter over here to pay the loan, payday loan people back. No, no, no. If, 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 if provision is not there, the timing may not have been there. In other words, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Here's another one. This is how you know if you're pursuing the promise in the flesh or the spirit. When your frustration levels are at an all-time high. All-time high. Here's number five. When you're having to beat down the door instead of knocking on the door. You know, the Bible says, ask, seek, and knock. Some of y'all ain't knocking. You just crashing the door down. 
bam. The Lord told me, oh, did he? You know, I had about four girls tell me the Lord told me that I was going to marry them. I was like, hold up. Either God is a polygamy God or I don't hear from God right or all of y'all lying. Guess what? It was, it was letter C. All of them were lying. Here's another one. Here's another one. Real quick. When there is no favor flowing. This is how you know if the promise that's in your heart, if you're pursuing it in the flesh or not, is if there's no favor flowing. Here's number six or number seven. When you can't afford to do it and you're having to make your way through it. In other words, you're borrowing from everybody now. Amen. Here's the last one. When you have no peace. Because peace should be on power. Now, what are some signals to know whether you're pursuing the promise in faith? Number one, patience is a blessing and not a curse. When you can wait, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing. Patience is working for you and not against you. Number two, God's provision will show up even in the midst of drought. So when God's called you to do something, he's still going to provide for you because he's the one that told you to do it. Number three, when you have a daily confession declaring that that promise in your life. In other words, see, remember now, if faith comes by hearing, then faith is released by saying. So many people who God has put a promise in their heart is not making a, a consistent confession over their life. Amen. And if there's no consistent confession, then there's no faith flowing. Here's number four. When God sends a raven to feed you and you don't have to call the raven. Now, I'm going to stop right here because I'm out of time. Did y'all get that one? Let me, let me, okay. Remember, God spoke to Elijah. He said, Elijah, I want you to go down to the brook. And when you get there, there's going to be a raven to feed you. And there's going to be a brook that's going to give you water to drink. It was already set up by God. Elijah didn't have to call the raven. Because, see, some of you all are making calls that you shouldn't have to make. You're making the, see, you're calling the raven, but the raven ought to be just bringing it to you. And that normally happens when we're trying to manipulate to get the promise. So what am I saying this morning? I'm saying you got to pursue the, the promises by faith, but while you're doing that, you got to exercise some patience. You got to exercise some wisdom. But here's another one, obedience. We just have to obey but then we got to have the timing of God down. So before you start spending all of your life savings doing something, make sure that the timing of God for your promise is there. Make sure you obtain some wisdom from God. And make sure that you are exercising patience because some of what God wants to do for you, somebody else is supposed to be paying for it. See, that's when the blessing becomes rich and add no sorrow right there. Because it wasn't your money spent. It was the Lord's money spent. And that's why I don't sweat. Listen, if, 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 if one person comes to church, it don't matter. Because I, I, I told the pastor last night. He called me. He was, he was really upset. I mean, upset. And I told him, I said, listen, if God can't take care of his bride, shame on him. 
Your job is not to be married to the bride. Your job is to make sure the bride is taken care of. Amen. Did y'all get something out of the message this morning? We have a head bow and every eye closed. You may be here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal.